You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Saudi Arabia partially restoring output at a damaged oil plant. This as growing, growing criticism of Iran from U.S. politicians in both parties. How will President Trump respond? We will take you through all of the market, policy, political implications with what continues to be an escalating situation with Iran. Meanwhile, Corey Lewandowski on Capitol Hill, and he's rebuffing Democrats in Trump obstruction of justice hearing. And Edgerton Bloomberg News politics editors here to walk us through the domestic side and the latest on trade around the world with the trade go-to Bloomberg Sound On guru, Mark Ross of Caracol Global, is here as well. Lots to get through, a lots uh, of... All of that, plus the plus the, just the 2020 campaign trail. Can you believe it? We're just we're, we're inching closer. Busy, busy day is Corey Lewandowski, senator, maybe. Corey Lewandowski was up on Capitol Hill testifying how, against House Democrats with regards to obstruction of justice. And, you know, Anna Edgerton is here. She's Bloomberg News politics editor. And Anna, I mean, were there any major bombshells in that hearing? No, it was pretty painful to watch. I mean, just it, it started out procedurally with uh, Chairman Jerry Nadler and Ranking Member Doug Collins having this kind of procedural spat about whether or not they oh, should the give more time, spats. and yeah, and like they had a roll call vote to adjourn the hearing, and it just it took forever to get started, and then when it did, when it did. It was basically just Lewandowski saying he was not authorized to say anything because <laughs> because the White House claimed executive privilege over his testimony, oh, even Lord. though he never actually worked at the White House. All right, so it sounds like a headache. We're going to talk about it coming up, about the implications and whether or not he's going to run for Senate. Uh, Mark Ross is here, founder and CEO of Caracol Global, uh, a firm that specializes in geopolitical globalization communications around the world. And you're in the middle of like a host of various uh, 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 functions around the country. We're going to talk about that as well. But the big story, day two, 
with well, day four or five, but but in terms of this week, is Saudi Arabia, which has attempted to move beyond the worst oil disruption in history. I didn't realize this when we were reporting on it yesterday. This is the worst oil disruption in history by assuring the world that crude exports will not suffer because of that damaged facility from over the weekend when it uh, when it got taken out by a drone strike. Now, the United States has been pointing its finger toward Iran. Uh, there have been various lawmakers on both sides of the aisle that have raised questions about Iran. Uh, uh, there's also been questions about uh, the Saudis' ability to protect itself with regards to securing infrastructure. Did you know this, Anna? 5%, 5% of the global oil output comes from Saudi Arabia. I didn't realize. 5%. So Saudi Arabia is such a crucial crucial energy supplier uh, in in the world. Now, the president has tapped into the national oil reserves, but take a listen to what President Trump said last night in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, Rio Rancho, New Mexico, when he was asked, or I'm sorry, when he was on the campaign trail talking about the situation in Iran, and he doubled down on why he decided to get out of the Iran nuclear disarmament deal. Take a listen. To protect America's security... I withdrew the United States from the horrible, one-sided Iran nuclear deal. It was no good. And we imposed the toughest ever sanctions on the Iranian regime. Watch how that works out, folks. Going to be very good. And so much of the debate today, at least, and the domestic political side of things, seems to be about the Iran nuclear disarmament deal. Uh, Republicans are with the president, say we should have gotten out of it. Democrats say they are not. Are there any Democrats who aren't blaming Iran? So the question that we're looking at right now is what kind of intelligence lawmakers are going to be able to have access to in order to make a determination for themselves who they would hold responsible. Right now, they have had access to a three-page document in a secure room on Capitol Hill. And from... On the Senate and the House or just the Senate? Just on the Senate, Senate side. And so Ron Johnson, a senator from, uh, from Wisconsin, said that he was convinced by this document that Iran is responsible. Having said that, he said he wanted more information before he was ready to get on board with any kind of action, especially when it comes to military strikes. I want to I'm so glad you brought that up because that was exactly this afternoon as all of these this was was developing with regards to this. I, I just want to put this in perspective for folks. Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin. Yes. He is a member of the Senate Intel and and they get a three-page document in that secure room. That secure room in the basement of uh, the, the visitor like center. The visitor, yeah, yeah the CVC, mm-hmm. the CVC, and, and the Capitol. So it's you know right in the secure basement area where no one can go in, and they get a three-page document. And the Republicans are saying that they believe that this is enough information to uh, make Iran responsible for this. What are the Democrats saying? So it's not exactly uh, 100% Republican and Democrat. You also have some Republicans saying they need more information before they're ready to unequivocally blame Iran. The evidence that they've seen thus far does seem to point to Iran, especially when it comes to the sophistication of the attack and some of the details, such as the direction of the, traje- the trajectory of the of the projectiles. But the big question now is what action the United States would take and what kind of mm-hmm. authorization the administration needs from Congress. So there are some Republicans like Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Marco Rubio of Florida who say that 
a new AUMF, a new war authorization, is not needed because the president has, under the War Powers Act, the ability to protect the United States of America. However, I'm there so are, glad you're talking about this. Go ahead. Yeah. There are others like Rand Paul of Kentucky who say that. You know, this was not an attack on the United States. Yes, the United States has about 500 troops in Saudi Arabia, but this was an attack on Saudi How? Arabia, so it's up to them to respond to Iran. It was, uh, you know, and, and, and listen, I mean, that, and that Tulsi Gabbard, Rand Paul dynamic of libertarian streak in, in American politics, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you mentioned about the authorization. I find this fascinating because we've talked about this on the on the program before, especially in 2019 when drone strikes and there's this debate about whether or not drone strikes are a use of military force and whether or not it's an act of war and, and, and whatnot. It's not in the traditional sense where you're sending troops and whatnot overseas. Take a listen to what Senator Richard Blumenthal said after that hearing that, that Anna's been telling us about, the Democrat from Connecticut. Take a listen to Senator Richard Blumenthal about – whether or not or what the administration's approach should be should he decide to somehow respond to Iran. Take a listen to Blumenthal. We should be insisting that the president come to Congress for authorization, not the Saudi royal family. And that seems to be his first interest. It's not the United States' first interest. So there's Senator Blumenthal saying, not saying don't do anything with Iran, saying if you're going to do something with, with Iran, come talk to the United States. And here's Chris Murphy, another Democrat from Connecticut, uh, uh, also out front on this issue. Here is another Democrat, Senator Chris Murphy, on this. Take a listen. For months, we have been telling the administration that their campaign of blind escalation with Iran was going to get this country into a war, a war of choice, uh, and we are dangerously on the precipice of that conflict. So what uh, if you're reading between the tea leaves and you're trying to look at this through a political lens, Chris Murphy, the Senator Chris Murphy's comments, Mark Ross, suggests that from a political lens, they are – Go, the, the Democrats are suggesting, well, the reason that we're on a, on, on a path to escalation with Iran is because the president withdrew from the JCPOA or the Iran nuclear disarmament deal, and this is his fault, that, and that the campaign of maximum pressure against President Rouhani of Iran has not worked. Correct. But I think, I mean, I, here, I think the only thing most Americans and, frankly, most uh, European capitals can agree on is that Iran and its government – is problematic. I think there's a huge debate whether or not the tactics, whether to be a part of the JCPOA, sanctions, uh, there's obviously not agreement there. But, you know, Iran is not doing any favors. I mean, every week they've been kind of escalating kind of tensions, whether it be hijacking a boat, uh-huh. you know, shooting down a drone, and now we have this mysterious attack. Um, you know, Iran is actually playing a pretty interesting game as well. They see there's obviously dissension on Capitol Hill, but they also see there's dissension between the U.S., and our allies in Germany and France on how to handle the situation. Um, the tactics of whether or not sanctions are working is one thing, but clearly Iran is finding, you know, finding a way to be a problem as well. And, you know, I, I got two, two big questions. First is, what does Europe do with regards to this? That's what I'm really watching for over the next week. How does Europe respond to this? Uh, and, and will they continue to have dealings with Iran? And also the Chinese. I mean, China has really been building the infrastructure in Tehran. 
And will they? Will that investment continue? Um, and you know, Russia obviously will. All right, coming up, we're going to switch back to domestic politics. Panel stays in at Edgerton Mark Ross. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Again, Congresswoman, I recognize that the privilege is not mine, but I've been asked by the White House to... Uh, Congresswoman, I'd be happy to answer your question, or you can just have a conversation by yourself. But if you'd like to ask me a question, I'll be happy to answer. I'm going to continue. The reason is because... Well, then don't ask me a question if you don't want to hear my answer. This is a House judiciary, not a House party. Oh. Not a house party. That was Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, a Democrat engaging with Corey Lewandowski, who testified earlier today before the House Judiciary Committee with regards to obstruction of justice, that investigation into obstruction of justice. Corey Lewandowski, of course, one of the original campaign um, manager for President Trump's uh, 2016 presidential campaign. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. Mark Ross is here, founder of Caracal Global, a firm which specializes in geopolitical globalization around the world. And Anna Edgerton, Bloomberg News National Politics Editor. I mean, not a house party, but I'm not sure it was an effective hearing for Republicans or Democrats. No, it absolutely wasn't. I mean, I think both parties came out looking really bad. And I, I, just, honestly, I don't know why they go through these exercises. It, it just is so ugly to watch. And it's just you could, you could see how frustrated Democrats were that Lewandowski was just categorically you know, refusing to respond to any of their questions, even though he was there under subpoena. And then Republicans were frustrated that we're having this hearing at all. I mean, Lewandowski has testified already three times before I, Three times. In, in, behind closed doors, but much of his testimony has been made public. So the only justification for this hearing, according to Doug Collins, the ranking member, is to have a public spectacle, which it certainly was. But this is so the Democ- The argument is that, that Corey Lewandowski is exerting executive or is asserting executive privilege. But he technically never served in the administration, which is, I mean, he was on the campaign. He was a close confidant of President Trump's, but he never served inside of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So he never, you know, Hope Hicks was working for the government, working for the president, asserted executive privilege. Corey Lewandowski never technically had that specific uh, title. Uh, But, you know, there's... Republicans say, well, it's, you know, if the, if the president of the United States is going to talk to you, you should be able to, to, to he, the president, whoever the president is, should be able to have those conversations be confidential or at least one on one. Jerry Nadler, chairman of House Judiciary, said to quote, quote, this is a cover up plain and simple. If it were to prevail, especially while the Judiciary Committee is considering whether to recommend articles of impeachment, it would upend the separation of powers as envisioned by our founders, end quote. So where are we, Anna, in terms of a, a potential impeachment TikTok countdown? That's an excellent question. Um, it, you will get a different answer depending on which Democrat you ask. Um, Jerry Nadler says that we are already in quote-unquote formal impeachment proceedings. And what he means by that is that the investigations that the House Judiciary Oversight Ways and Means Committees are conducting is 
building a case to decide whether or not they recommend well, they're articles gonna of recommend, They're going to recommend it. Maybe. I mean, we don't know. It, we'll, we'll see. Um, Pelosi, For the committee vote, they just need a party line vote on the, on the committee? Yes, to so recommend they to the full that. House. Yes, they would if they wanted to. Um, so that'll be the next step is the House Judiciary could potentially recommend. That'll be the next headline. The headline, recommend articles of impeachment. And we don't know when that is. We, we don't know when or if. And, and no. I emphasize that because I don't think Nadler would do that without getting Pelosi to sign off first. They're and in her, lockstep. And her, her line thus far has been that you have to build a public case. You have to bring public sentiment along with the, these actions. And she knows that the public is not there yet. So I, that's the word of caution. Pelosi's not there yet. So, you know, Nadler's probably going to hold his fire on, on a more official move until then. It seems that uh, the Democrats will impeach Trump. The question is what Congress will do it. Will it be this Congress or a future Congress? I think that's a question. The other thing I think was interesting is since the Mueller report is kind of closed down, if you will, uh, President Trump seems a bit lost. Like Team Trump, guys like Corey Lewandowski and the rest of the team, they seem very willing and happy to kind of have this debate because they've got the talking points that locked down. The Democrats seem uh, confused. They don't have a solid message. And they really like the fight. And I think that really helps the Republicans. I mean, there's no doubt today's uh, performance by Cohen Lewandowski was a huge earned media event for his campaign and did a lot to gather support within the Republican Party. Do we think he's going to run in New Hampshire? I mean, I think so. He tweeted this morning, I'm very excited to testify before the committee. Please tune in, hashtag Senate Do we think he'll win? Do we think he'll win in New Hampshire? I don't know. I mean, I, I, think know the pre- I, mean, I would think if the president got fully behind him, that's a state he has to win in terms of electoral college. Who knows? I mean, it also would turn him into a kingmaker for Republican uh, presidential candidates for years to come. You know, I, New I, Hampshire I, is a very interesting state. The Below the state. notch and above the notch. Yeah, no, very yeah. interesting state. Very interesting. And also, uh, you know, I just think of how far we've come with these with these types of hearings. Remember when like the, the beltway would shut down, the country would shut down and people would be watching and streaming at work all the different hearings with Mueller and Lewandowski and Roger stuff. And now it's like, I, I mean, nobody I barely blink because you know why? Everyone has found other political entertainment. You know what they're watching? They're watching Sean Spicer on Dancing with oh, the Stars. Uh, I have never no. – my mother, if she's listening, would be ashamed of me what I'm about to say. I've never. My mom's obsessed with Dancing with the Stars. Uh, I've never watched an episode. Not my cup of tea. Not, you know, God, like, whatever. It's great entertainment. But I watched last night to see Sean Spicer. I'm speechless. And with that coming up, we're going to talk U.S.-China trade policy, folks, with Mark Ross and Anna Edgerton. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. I am speechless. That If you saw that dance. That costume. <laughs> that costume. Fluorescent. You can I also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, speechless on Bloomberg, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money 
at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. He did the best ever, period. I don't know. I think he, he had a great time. He really showed that he was having fun um, and had a blast doing it. And this was not the guy that we've ever thought we'd see before. Playing the bongo drums to the Spice Girls, wearing a lime green shirt that's half open. Uh, none of those four things would ever come up in anything that I would have ever done before in my life. Sean Spicer, everybody. That was Sean Spicer on ABC's Dancing with the Stars. Dancing the cha-cha-cha. Was he talking about himself in the third person? And Edgerton, yes, he was. That was Sean Spicer. That was Anna Edgerton. She's Bloomberg's politics reporter. Mark Ross is here as well, CEO of Caracal Global. Did you guys watch? I'm, just, I'm very curious about Twitter watch. I definitely watched. I was literally sitting at my counter eating my dinner and thought, you know what? The guy that used to get... We used to yell at us in the White House Brady briefing room is now dancing to the Spice Girls with Bongo. It was very surreal as a journalist to watch Sean Spicer. And I'm not taking an, an opinion, but we were talking in the break about why he did this. I, uh, you were saying, Mark, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. you were saying, I mean, for speeches to, to maybe keep him relevant. I, I talk, Mark. There is a story. Uh, this is kind of. Uh, yeah, he's out there. We're talking about him. He's made a splash. He's really... Uh, That's a word for it. Yeah. So, you know... He's also made himself a Halloween costume. He oh, is uh, totally. further... There's no doubt his brand is on point and is expanding. He should be proud of himself. All right. You know, I <laughs> I just am a reporter, so I don't have to take an opinion. And Mark, you do. All right. Um, <laughs> moving on. There was a... <laughs> But did you guys watch it? Just I just did you you did watch it, right? I, I saw the clip. I, right. cu- I couldn't Clips. not watch it just because I I was on Twitter last night and yeah, yeah. it was all right. Hard all right, avoid. so back to politics. There was another hearing on Capitol Hill today. Senator Marco Rubio, did you guys follow this? Senator Marco Rubio, he's a Republican from Florida, has a bill out that would examine the trade status of Anna. Tell us more. So uh, Rubio's proposal is basically to review on an annual basis Hong Kong's special trade relationship with the United States. And part of this is to put pressure on the government of Hong Kong and the government of China to make sure that Hong Kong's special status enjoys the protections that it has currently and that it's not encroached upon by an increasingly authoritarian Chinese government. It gives the United States more power to back Hong Kong as they're getting, you know, a however you want, as, as they get pressure from, from China. Now, is there bipartisan support for this? There is bipartisan support. Um, uncertain prospects on the Senate, although um, McConnell did say that he's considering taking it up next week. So, wow. Yeah. Next week? That's fast for McConnell. Yes. And fast for the Senate. That's not even a knock on McConnell. It's a knock on the Senate, but that's fast. Uh, and, and Mark, you're, you're carefully, obviously, following. I mean, you're the, the expert on U.S.-China trade relations. This Hong Kong protests have been incredibly complex for for President Xi Jinping over in Beijing. So what's the latest on that front? So from the Xi perspective, uh, you know, the 70th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party taking over the uh, 
uh, China mainland, if you will, is October 1st. So the party wants to have a huge celebration. This is obviously a huge achievement for the party. They want to celebrate it. They're looking for no problems whatsoever. But clearly, Hong Kong is becoming a flashpoint and a uh, proxy, if you will, for the way the world's going to go forward. You know, are we going to respect the rule of law? Can you, pr can you have uh, fair, safe and fair elections? Can you speak about your government in an open way? Um, even with a delay of a few weeks, uh, clearly the Hong Kong issue isn't going away. And there is definitely, I would say, almost universal agreement on Capitol Hill that the U.S. government should do everything they can to support the protest in Hong Kong. All right. Go ahead, Anna. You want to jump in there? With no, yeah. no, I mean, I think this is kind of an easy issue for lawmakers. There are very few lawmakers who feel the need to defend China's participation in this, in, in response to these protesters, um, especially when you see protesters saying, holding up U.S. democracy as mm. a goal to aspire to. So it's definitely an easy thing for lawmakers to support just, on both sides of the just aisle. Just to note uh, that the, the Beijing delegation is set to be here in like a week and a half. So we're still keeping a careful tie on that. I'm curious to see if that happens before or after UNGA. Do we know, Mark, if it's going to be before well, or after Well, I mean, UNGA? I, you know, I think official meetings, I mean, clearly the two sides are talking, right? What, what level it's going to be. I think the UN General Assembly provides a great opportunity for senior delegations to speak. And also with the American business community, usually engages the Chinese delegation. At Will Sean well. Spicer be voted off of Dancing with the Stars before or after UNGA? <laughs> Well, I'm speechless. Uh, after. You know, my mom, after. Who, my mom is a diehard Dancing after. with the Stars fan, and she texted she me. Uh, uh, she, I just pulled up the text, and she's, well, she will be not be happy. But she uh, she's very apolitical. She has voted for Republicans and Democrats in her life. So she is literally Frank Luntz's She go votes on talent when it comes oh, to Dancing yeah. with the Stars. Oh, and she said after he performed, he will be gone soon. Jim Vanderbeek, dot, dot, dot. One to watch. That's the guy. From, that's the guy from Dawson's Creek. All right, panel stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Dancing with the Stars. No, for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I couldn't help it, Anthony. Don't get mad. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cerulli, folks, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. Journalism lost a giant today. Cokie Roberts, the daughter of politicians and a pioneering journalist who chronicled Washington from Jimmy Carter to Donald Trump for NPR, ABC News. She passed away earlier today of complications from breast cancer. She was 75, I'm reading from the Associated Press. ABC actually broke into network programming to announce her passing uh, and comments and accolades and uh, condolences from former presidents from George W. Bush to Barack Obama, uh, offering sympathy. I, I remember I was a teenager in 2004, and she appeared on Bill Maher. Uh, and on August 6th, I pulled it up, August 6th, 2004, and she said, the truth is the notion that gay marriage is harmful to marriage is sort of mind-boggling because these are people trying to get married. But it seems to me if you... <laughs> If you want to defend marriage against something, defend it against divorce. Ooh, Cokie Roberts, everybody. Uh, she was ahead of her time in many ways uh, and a journalism giant. And many folks offering their condolences. I want to offer mine as well. Uh, and their remembrances. She taught a lot of journalists how to be simply by her actions. Mark Ross is here, founder and CEO of Caracal Global. He is a firm that specializes in globalization around the world. And Anna Edgerton, Bloomberg News politics editor. Anna, I mean, 
Cokie Roberts, a giant, a giant in journalism. Yeah, I don't usually get very um, excited when I see famous people in D.C. It just doesn't impress me that much. But I totally fangirl every time I see people from NPR um, just because I listen to it so much. And then when you actually meet them, you see the, you know, the people behind these voices that are with you, you know, during the day on your commute, when you're washing dishes. And, um, you know, she was one of those people who's just always in your ear bringing you the news. And so steady just as a broadcaster. Absolutely. She co-anchored the ABC Sunday political show this week with Sam Donaldson from 96 to 2000. 2002. She had a series of books about women in Washington. We Are Our Mother's Daughters was about the changing roles of relationships with them. And I mean, she was so, so many of the issues that we talk about today, she was talking about decades ago, Anna. Absolutely. And, you know, just like you said, an inspiration and um, also something for the rest of us journalists to aspire to. I love this quote. I mean, I mean, this quote that she said to, uh, I think every journalist maybe can relate to this. And she was interviewed by the Television Academy, which, of course, is a very prestigious interview if you're asked to be interviewed by them in 2018. And she said, quote, journalism just kind of happened to me. It wasn't anything I had planned to do. Wow. Wow. Um, All right. So switching gears. I want to talk about what's on our radar because there it was a busy day. We've been all over the capital today with for everything from Hong Kong to Corey Lewandowski. We're following Saudi Arabia, but there are other developments going on around the world and here in the United States as well. So, Mark, I'll start with you. What's on your radar? So uh, Israel is having an election. Uh, they're seven hours ahead of us. Uh, so neck and neck, neck and neck. Um, you know, this was called. Uh, by Netanyahu because it was, he was unsuccessful in forming a coalition in April, so he called another snap election. Uh, all indications suggest that neither of the major parties will be able to form, form a coalition again, um, but we'll wait for the results, which we should have later this evening. So this is huge because if you put it from a U.S. perspective, just for a second, uh, John Bolton's out. Uh, you have the volatility with Saudi Arabia occurring. And reading from the Bloomberg Terminal, quote, Exit polls show Israel's election producing a dramatic deadlock, a dramatic deadlock with neither Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu nor former military chief Benny Gantz able to easily form a government. The lack of decisive of decisive victory was a stunning setback for uh, for Netanyahu, who gambled on a revote to strengthen his hand. Uh you know, there was, I guess we're not going to get, I mean, now it's it's okay to say, we're not going to get the Kushner peace plan until after the elections, obviously. But there's so much at stake here for, for geopolitics in terms of in terms of how this election plays out. But the fact that it's even close says something. What does it say for Netanyahu? Should he squeak this out, but with just a small margin? Mark Ross. Well, I think what it says, I think it's a bigger issue just looking at democracies around the world. Here in the U.S., you know, what's happening in the U.K. as well as Israel. It's been really, really tough for consensus, for majorities to find a path forward. I think that's what it says. And the other issue, as you walk through the Middle East, that neighborhood, there's a lot going on. And without clear leadership out of Israel, that's going to be a real challenge for the U.S. and our other allies as we seek a path forward. It's it, it's going to be fascinating. It will also be interesting to see the reaction from U.S. lawmakers tomorrow once an announcement is in fact declared and once Israelis have chosen uh, their next prime minister uh, and to see how U.S. politicians and, and progressives react to that. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you. We'll, we'll obviously be following that. All right. Anna Edgerton, what's on your radar? Uh, two things that I'm looking at. One, uh, uh, 
more complete briefing for members of Congress from the intelligence community about Iran and what we know about the strikes on Saudi Arabia. Yes, let's start with that. Let's because we have time. Let's start with that. So what is next? So they're going. Speaker Nancy Pelosi has requested a briefing for all members of Congress? It's unclear if it's going to be for all members of Congress or just for members of the appropriate committees, probably Foreign Affairs and Armed Services. So you know, if they get this briefing, they won't be able to tell us what they were told, but you know, just from the action they either recommend or say that they would absolutely not support, we'll have a better idea of, you know, Who's the aggressor? What was the intent? What are the potential consequences? And also what action the United States should take? Trump's comments on this have not been very clear. Um, on the one hand, he and both Vice President Mike Pence have said that the United States is, quote unquote, locked and loaded and ready yeah. to attack, um, which is you know, a pretty bellicose, frightening phrase. But on the other hand, politically, it is not a good idea for this president to get involved in another Middle East conflict the year before he seeks re-election after campaigning on getting us out of the very prolonged conflicts in which we're already involved. I hate, I mean, you, you cannot talk about these issues without talking about the political implications. Uh, it will, one of the question marks that we don't know is what type of reaction, if any, would he utilize? Would it be a drone strike? Would it be military? Would it be boots on the ground? I mean, no way, it doesn't feel like we're headed in the next three days to war with Iran. Uh, and it seems like there's a, a plethora of checklists items that would have to to happen before them. But the fact that Speaker Pelosi wants a briefing, what I mean, you and you and I were talking briefly about this in the break. But what we should be looking for is which representative from the administration actually goes to present to lawmakers, because if it is someone like Secretary Pompeo or President Trump or Vice President Pence, that's a much stronger indication that there might be a more. Um, forceful response than than a, than a DNI representative or whatnot, right? Uh, Pence did speak with um, GOP senators today in their weekly Senate lunch. Uh, he presented some of the administration's positions on Iran, but none of the underlying intelligence. So if there is a briefing, um, I think that's a good point that you made that, you know, depending on who presents the briefing, we can kind of gauge the seriousness of the response we can expect. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo does not love these briefings. He's tried to get out of them in the past. Um, but you know, members of Congress want to hear it from him because especially in this administration, they're not convinced that whoever comes from the Intelligence Committee is necessarily speaking for the administration. So it's important to have access to those people who are closest to the principal, President Trump. All right. And next up on your radar, that's great uh, to, to be looking out for all that, especially if you're trying to figure out where all this story heads because it's moving so quickly. Uh, also, gun control. Uh, this is very much on, on the minds of folks. What is Mitch McConnell saying I think Thursday's the deadline. That was the last we had heard that that, that they were going to get some type of, of issu issu issuance. That's not a word, Kevin. They were going to get some type of directive, for there's a word, from the White House with regards to what to do on the Second Amendment. Yeah, so we are still waiting to hear what the White House will come up with, and it's not clear what the president will support, especially with an eye towards his most loyal base. I had an inter interesting conversation this morning with Mike Braun, a Republican senator from Indiana. Yeah. And he kind of made the point. Pence country. Exactly. Buttigieg's country. Buttigieg's country as well. And, um, you know, he, he made the point that Republicans have to get on board with something. And the line he was drawing was supporting background, background checks for all commercial 
uh, for all commercial sales, but not for individuals that know each other. So he said Republicans have to get on board with something or else they're going to lose elections, Republic, uh, Democrats will have a stronger majority, and then they'll be stuck with gun legislation that they really don't want and could really violate I, the Second Amendment. I think, I, I just think, and, and again, what do I know? And, and my job as a journalist, I'm not an opinion. I, I think you go to the suburbs or you go to independent voters and they just want to see that their government, not a party, but a government, is working to address this national epidemic. Because, I mean, it, it's they don't want to have the, the, the same conversation after every time there's a tragedy. I mean, just work on it. I mean, the same way that, that they're consistently working on other issues pertaining to foreign policy and domestic policy, work on this all the time together. Uh, that's what I hear, at least when I'm out there. Uh, covering this stuff. All right, my thanks to Mark Ross, my thanks to Anna Edgerton. That's what's on their radar. Uh, and just, again, what's on my radar, Cokie Roberts, just a journalism giant, a journalism giant. And I want to leave you with one final quote from her. She says, times do keep changing. Thank God. That's from Cokie Roberts, journalism giant, and we offer our condolences to her. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.